Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Corey assisting me today. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called Driven by the Flesh, brothers and sisters. Being driven by the flesh makes you feel like you are just a spectator in your own life. You're just going along for the ride as you allow your body's passions and desires to drive you places daily you do not want to go. So today's lesson will help us conquer our flesh-driven, destructive desires. We're going to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3 and 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Examine that, brothers and sisters. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So this is this is an insight from the Most High God because he loved us so much. He wanted to give us instruction. Therefore, we would not have to pay on that day, that day of decision, that day of judgment, brothers and sisters. So he said, listen, I love you so much. I'm going to give you the study guide to be able to overcome the temptations of this earth, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, Brother Corey? Verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. See, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So the Bible has been proven to be a strategy guide, reliable and useful, brothers and sisters, for what? For spiritual development. Can you read the next scripture? Because it, it's not only for spiritual development, but it's for something else too. Verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect. Read that part again, brother. That the man of God may be perfect. See, so it's not only useful for spiritual development, but for the perfection of man. And when we say man, we're talking about man and woman, brothers and sisters. So today we're going to use biblical literature as a study guide to help strengthen our self-control in a flesh-driven world, brothers and sisters. We're going to Sirach in the Apographer or Ecclesiasticus. 18 and 20. Follow us, brothers and sisters. Sirach 18, verse 20. Before judgment, examine thyself, and in the day of visitation, thou shalt find mercy. See? See, brothers and sisters, he gave us the Bible for the reproof, for the correction, for the perfection of man. So when judgment day come, we shall find mercy, brothers and sisters. So today's lesson is a call to self-examination. Examining ourselves is essential to our growth and spiritual development, brothers and sisters. Many Israelites are only interested in the parts of the law they can see with the naked eye, brothers and sisters. When you see Israelites online that are dealing mostly in a pharisaical spirit, it's only the, well, dress this way or don't eat pork or don't celebrate Christmas. It's all the things that are visual, brothers and sisters, but the methods of our church are more focused on the things that can't be measured. Integrity, humility, love, brothers and sisters. Uh, what else? The most important thing is self-examination, self-control. Those things can't be measured to the naked eye, brothers and sisters. So it's more important on, uh, uh, it's more important of what's on the inside than what's on the outside, brothers and sisters. Imagine there's a 2020 Mercedes-Benz 
C class or which, whichever one is the most expensive class. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a cheap price. It's $2,000, but there's no engine in it, brothers and sisters. So examine that. It's more important. Are you going to buy that? No, you're not going to buy it. It's more important what's underneath the hood, brothers and sisters. So it's not just about the things that are naked to the eye, brothers and sisters. It's about the heart. So today's lesson, we're going to talk about the war within, the unseen battle, brothers and sisters. Can you read verse 20 one more time, brother? Before judgment, examine thyself. And in the day of visitation, thou shalt find mercy. See, examine yourself. And that may be a reason why our church is not as popular as the Christian church, brothers and sisters. Because why? You have to examine yourself when you listen to the lessons. It have you examine yourself, brothers and sisters. And not for us to tell you you're wrong here, you're right here. You know what you're dealing with. You know what you struggle with. And you're your greatest judge. You should be your greatest judge. So it says, before judgment, examine thyself. And in the day of visitation, thou shalt find mercy. What visitation? The judgment, brothers and sisters. The day of Christ, brothers and sisters. So in order to find mercy and grace, we must examine ourselves. And that's what we're going to do today, brothers and sisters. We're going to Romans chapter 6. We're going to read verse 19. We're going to the epistles of Paul, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. Romans 6 verse 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Remember that, brothers and sisters, the infirmity of the flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servant to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. So the same way, Paul is saying the same way that when you, you had no truth, you dealt with all types of unrighteousness and iniquity. Now you should do a 180 and use your same vessel, use your same body, your mind to do what? To perfect righteousness and holiness, brothers and sisters. Can you read verse 19 one more time, brother? Verse 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. This word, infirmity, brothers and sisters, means weakness. So the question is, what is this infirmity that manifests a corrupt nature? What is Paul speaking of here, brothers and sisters? We're going to show you. We're going to 2nd Ezra, chapter 3, verse 21. He said the infirmity... Of the flesh. We're going to see. What is this infirmity of the flesh, brothers and sisters? Follow us to the Apographer, 2nd Ezra 3 and 21. 2nd Ezra 3 and 21. For the first Adam bearing a wicked heart transgressed. Examine that. It's the, it's the wicked heart, brothers and sisters. It's the wicked heart that is that infirmity of the flesh that all men have. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 21. For the first Adam bearing a wicked heart transgressed and was overcome. And so be all they that are born of him. Read that last part again. And so be all they that are born of him. See, and so be all they that are born from him. Now, we know all people came from Adam and Eve, brothers and sisters. So we all have a wicked heart. That's that infirmity of the flesh. Can you read that one more time from the top, brother? Verse 21. For the first Adam bearing a wicked heart transgressed and was overcome. And so be all they that are born of him. Thus infirmity was made permanent. And the law also in the heart of the people with the malignity of the root. So that the good departed away and the evil abode still. See, thus infirmity 
was made permanent, brothers and sisters. So there was a law instituted in our flesh when Adam sinned, brothers and sisters. We have inherited an evil spirit, a corrupt nature that opposes us, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 22. Thus infirmity was made permanent. And the law also in the heart of the people with the malignity of the root, so that the good departed away and the evil abode still. See, so that the good departed away and the evil abode still. So automatically, brothers and sisters, we are predisposed or inclined to do what's wrong first, brothers and sisters. That's the infirmity of the flesh that we're dealing with today, brothers and sisters. No man or woman is above this, brothers and sisters. We all have to deal with our heart, brothers and sisters, because the Bible tells you the heart is wicked. The heart is wicked, brothers and sisters. So to elaborate on our unethical heart, we're going to go to Romans 7 and 14. That infirmity of the flesh, brothers and sisters. Romans 7 and 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Right. So now Paul is saying we know that the law is spiritual. We know the law is good, brothers and sisters, but our flesh, our heart is carnal. Read that one more time, please, brother. For, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now, Paul was... <laughs> Paul is one of the disciples, well, not one of the original disciples, because we know he never, he didn't walk with Christ. But Paul is one of the greatest disciples that we still read to read of today, brothers and sisters. And the Christian church based their whole doctrine off Paul. But we're showing you that even Paul admitted that he was carnal and sold under sin. So if Paul was dealing with this and he was a disciple who had a tremendous ministry, then are we are we not dealing with these same things, brothers and sisters? So we're going to we're going to take our time. We're going to read through what Paul was saying as it pertains to being flesh driven, brothers and sisters. Verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not for what I would that do I not. But what I hate that do I. So what is he saying, brothers and sisters? He's saying that he does things that he doesn't really want to do, brothers and sisters. He finds it confusing or perplexing that he finds himself doing what he hates. He finds himself doing what he knows to be wrong. Re read that from the top, brother, please. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. See, what I hate is what I find myself doing. Why? That infirmity of the flesh. The next scripture is going to elaborate on that. Verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Examine that. He's saying he would like to do what the law requires, but he finds himself doing otherwise, brothers and sisters. So he's already consented that the law is good. <laughs> So when Christians say we don't have to follow the law, there's nothing wrong with the law. The law is good, brothers and sisters. Even Paul admitted that. Can you read 16 one more time, brother? Verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Examine that, brothers and sisters. See, so even though he knows the law, we know what's right. When we find ourselves doing something else, that's that sin that's dwelling in us. That's our heart. 
That means you know what's right, but for some reason, you're being moved in an unexpected and unwanted direction. Examine that, brothers and sisters. Being driven by the flesh, that heart will lead you to do things when you know it's not good for you, brothers and sisters. Our pe you know, people know drugs are not good, but something is leading them to do it. We know that fornication is not good, but something is leading them to do it, brothers and sisters. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. So I know what to do, but I don't know how to do it. Verse 19. For the good that I would, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. See? So the good is, even though I know it's good, I find myself not being able to accomplish it. That evil which I, which I know, I can identify it as evil. I find myself doing. Verse 20. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. See? So brothers and sisters, if we're doing things that we really don't want to do, everybody wants to follow the Most High God. Who, who would say they don't want to? Everybody wants to follow the Most High God. Everybody wants to follow the commandments, or they should. But it's telling you if we don't do it, especially when you have knowledge of it. It was different when we had no knowledge of the law. But once you have knowledge of the law and you still don't do it, it's that sin that dwelleth in us, brothers and sisters. So he's saying sin is dwelling in me. That's that weakness. If the sin is present, then you know what to work on, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Verse 20. Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. See, look, look at that, brothers and sisters. When I would, it, it says, I find a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. What, what is it saying, brothers and sisters? Even when we do good, evil is present. Why? Because, listen, if you had to make the right decision, then that means you understood there was another direction you could have went. Right, brothers and sisters? So while Paul wants to do what's good, he finds evil lying in hiding, ready to ambush his noblest desires, brothers and sisters. And Paul is no different than all of us, man and woman, brothers and sisters. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of the Most High after the inward man. Can you read that again, brother? For I delight in the law of the Most High after the inward man. Delight, he delights in the law, brothers and sisters. See, delight in the law through Christ. Verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. Read that again, brother. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. See, there's another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, brothers and sisters. The spirit is strong. The flesh is weak, brothers and sisters. This is what he's telling you. Paul is conscious of a war going on inside of himself, brothers and sisters. And we all have to be aware of this. We're all fighting this, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Verse 24, O wretched man that I am, 
Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of the Most High, but with the flesh, the law of sin. See, examine that, brothers and sisters. We have to use the law to keep this at bay, brothers and sisters. This is an ongoing battle. Battle. Non-stop. This wicked heart, this sin, this weakness is always there, brothers and sisters. No one can escape the sin of Adam. None of us, brothers and sisters. So with his mind, he's a slave to the law of God. But with his flesh, he's a slave to the law of sin, brothers and sisters. So this is the, this is the dialogue. The dialogue is being driven by the flesh, brothers and sisters. And Paul is giving great insight into how to overcome that, that, that feat. First, you have to identify that there's a battle going on. You, that's the first thing. So that's the first step. Identify, right? When you go to these, um, you know, uh, when people are alcohol, uh, dealing with alcoholism, um, what do they do? They go to these, I think, what, 12 step programs. And the first thing they have to do, uh, first thing they have to do is admit that there is an issue. Because if you don't even admit that there's an issue, how can you begin to fix that issue? So first thing we needed to do is identify the law or, or the war that's going on within us, brothers and sisters. The unseen battle, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. 1 John, brothers and sisters. Chapter 1, we're going to read verse 8. 1 John 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So there's no person that will not be able to utilize this particular lesson, brothers and sisters. No matter who you are. We don't care if you're the, a rabbi. We don't care if you're, you're T.D. Jakes or the highest pastor with 10 degrees or a Ph.D. or a billionaire. Doesn't matter. If you say you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you, brothers and sisters. So the Bible was compiled for self-examination and self-deceit. Is an inherent part of man's mental and spiritual makeup, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. The truth is not in us, brothers and sisters. Now, why are we magnifying this? Because a lot of times, especially once we come into the truth and we start following the laws of Moses and, you know, put down holidays, we start to mischaracterize ourselves as a finished product. And... He who makes such a heinous statement is such persons who are ignorant of themselves. Verse 10 is going to show you. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. See? So if, if you're claiming, I don't have this issue, you know, there's no battle going on in me. You know, my flesh, you know, I, I never get tempted on anything. I always do what's right. Read that one more time, brother, please. If we say that we have not sinned. We make him a liar and his word is not in us. Right. So we must turn the scriptures inwardly, brothers and sisters. The only way to perfect yourself is to correct yourself, brothers and sisters. So today's topic of dialogue is self-control, brothers and sisters. We must turn these scriptures inwardly. A lot of Israelites, they want to point to other people on what they need to be doing. Well, where's your beard, brother? Well, where's your fringes, brother? Well, listen, turn the scriptures inwardly. That's what that's what we promote as the Commandment Keepers Church, brothers and sisters, is perfecting yourself. We're going to Proverbs 25 and 28, brothers and sisters. 
Please follow us to the Tanakh. Proverbs 25 and 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Examine that, brothers and sisters. A person who has no self-control is like a vulnerable city. Why? Because you must have defenses. <laughs> and if you can't control yourself, then you have no defense. You can't defend yourself. A lack of discipline exposes one to all the problems of life. The same way an unprotected city is open to being sacked or ambushed, brothers and sisters. See? So without self-control, we're unprotected, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So we need to examine that, brothers and sisters. Self-control is a necessity. It's a requirement brothers and sisters, for any man or woman of God, but particularly to the men. A man who cannot rule himself is not a man. He's still a child, brothers and sisters. So today, we're going to go into detail about how to control that wicked heart that we all have. We're going to Titus 2 and 11. We're going to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. Titus 2, verse, verse 11. <clears throat> For the grace of the Most High that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Examine that, brothers and sisters. Examine that. See, so a, a disciplined life or self-mastery is the obligation thrust upon us as a result of receiving God's grace. Can you read 11 one more time, brother? Verse 11. For the grace of the Most High that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. See, so this is a call to express self-control, brothers and sisters. A call to continual self-governing, brothers and sisters. This is a, this is a daily battle, brothers and sisters. This is a daily battle. Just when you think, you you know, well, I've been in the truth for two, three, ten years, twenty years. I'm above those things. I can't fall to any of these things. You're deceiving yourself. This is something that you must. This is a daily battle, brothers and sisters, for each and every person, including women. Because a lot of times we think that only men are the only sinners or the only ones that have something to work on. When our sisters have that same issue. Eve and all her children, all her daughters have this same issue, brothers and sisters. Now, it may be more evident in men because they, they don't hide it. They're just flagrant and heinous with it. But sisters have this too. So even our sisters can learn from this, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Driven by the flesh. 2 Peter 1 and 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. Examine that, brothers and sisters. Temperance. Self-control, 
brothers and sisters. So what is this saying? This, these scriptures are saying without the ability to, to control ourselves, our knowledge of good and the desire to do it are both worthless. It doesn't matter if you know what's right. It doesn't matter how many precepts or how many scriptures you know. Self-control is the moment-by-moment moment restraint of your urges, brothers and sisters. This is the ability to make the right choice in those moments when temptation strikes us. We all must strive for the mastery, brothers and sisters. Why? Because self-control is a gift that frees us. Self-control restricts the indulgence of our foolish desires. Brothers and sisters, can you read that from the top, brother? Verse four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance. See, and to knowledge temperance. So now you have the knowledge, but now you have to utilize that knowledge with self-control. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. See, so this is how you build your faith. This is spiritual development, brothers and sisters. This is a step-by-step -step on how you can obtain perfection, brothers and sisters. To, to elaborate on that, we're going to go to Romans chapter 6. Verse 16. We're going to Paul, brothers and sisters. Romans 6 and 16. Know ye not that whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Examine that, brothers and sisters. It says we're servants to whomever we obey. So we become slaves of whomever we continue to obey. Brothers and sisters, whether it's sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness, we must choose which one to obey and become a slave to that one. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. See, so examine that. We're in an ongoing battle to serve the right master, brothers and sisters, each and every individual. And our choices matter because we're either contributing to death or righteousness, brothers and sisters. One or the other. There is no in between. There is no I'm doing me. There is no, you know, I'm in the middle. That doesn't exist. Now, the Christian church would have you believe you can be lukewarm, but the scriptures don't substantiate that particular ideology. Brothers and sisters, whomever you obey, that's who you serve. So if you're not serving the most high, by default, you're serving Satan. And it's, be, and it's being evident through you living out your lust. You can't run through life just serving your lust, brothers and sisters. You're following Satan. Whether you claim to be a Buddhist or a Muslim, you can have no, you can have no term. You can say you're an atheist. You're following the devil. To whom, whomever you obey, that's who you are serving of, brothers and sisters. We're going to John 8 and 34 to edify that. Let's go to Christ, brothers and sisters, to the gospel. John 8 and 34. Christ answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Examine that. Whoever committed sin is the servant of sin, brothers and sisters. 
So obedience to the Most High frees us from the enslavement of sin, brothers and sisters. The slavery of the soul to evil passions and desires, brothers and sisters. So what we all must know is that sin is a mark of following darkness. Anyone who's practicing habitual or persistent sin is a slave to that sin, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 34, Christ answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. See? So he is bound to it as a slave to his master. Examine that, brothers and sisters. Led by your lust, led by your flesh, led by your heart. You're going to serve who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve yourself? Are you going to serve the creator or the creation, brothers and sisters? We understand. We know there's a war going on in you. There's a war going on in all of us, brothers and sisters. It's a moment-to-moment battle to overcome what we know to be incorrect or what we know to lead to death, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 4. Verse 7. Let's go back to the Torah. Genesis 4 and 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? Read that one more time, brother. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Examine this, brothers and sisters. It says if, if you do what's right, you'll be accepted. So we must adjust our understanding of what is good to the most high's understanding of goodness, brothers and sisters, and not be deceived by our own vain opinion. Can you read that one more time, brother? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Sin lieth at the door. If we insist on setting our own standards for what is acceptable, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. See? So sin desires to rule over us. Sin desires to own us, brothers and sisters. And our refusal to let the Most High set the standard for right and wrong in our lives is a fast track to destruction, brothers and sisters. So you you have free will. Who do you want to serve? Because when judgment day comes, brothers and sisters, you will have to answer for everything that you've done post-baptism, if you've been baptized. So it's an easy decision, brothers and sisters. It's to whatever I have to, whatever I have to go through in life, no matter when I have to go through it in life, I'm going to follow what the Most High is instructing me to do. There's only one choice. It's not a, a hundred different choices. Well, if you say this, then I'll do it. But if you say that, I'm not. No, there's only one choice to make. Are you going to submit or are you not going to submit? Because once you make that decision that you're going to submit, then it becomes easier because you're not fighting everything else. You're not even thinking about everything else that he's saying. You already know. You've made an agreement that you're going to follow whatever he instructs you to do. And that's where it has to begin, brothers and sisters, because you worry yourself. You worry yourself mentally if you're basing it off every little thing he's telling you to do. It's only one decision. Either you'll follow it or you won't. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 7. If thou doest well, shall shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lies at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Examine that, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 6. 
verse 7. We're going to the New Testament. I know we're doing a lot of jumping here, brothers and sisters. So if we're going too fast, you know, pause the video and get to where you need to get to and then start it again. Galatians 6 and 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Read that part again, brother. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. See? So every action produces an effect, brothers and sisters. Such as the seed sown, such will be the harvest garnered, brothers and sisters. If you put an apple seed in the ground, you're going to get an apple tree, brothers and sisters. Can you read the next scripture, brother? Verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Read that one one more time, brother. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. See, so he who is led by the flesh is devoted to selfishness, fleshly mindedness, and produces corruption, brothers and sisters. He that spends his time gratifying the flesh, that same flesh will lead to his destruction. Can you read that from the top, brother? Verse 7. Be not deceived. The most high is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. But he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sowed to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. Read that part again, brother. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we, not, if we faint not. Let us not be weary in well-doing. It's not, you know, it shouldn't be exhausting to do what's right, brothers and sisters. It should not be exhausting because some people treat it as if they're doing, you know, physical labor or something to just do what's right. If it's physical labor to you, then that's magnifying the evil of your heart <laughs> because just to do right is exhausting to you. Examine that. It's telling you for in due season we shall reap if we faint not because some people just get tired. Of doing the right thing, brothers and sisters. Because to do the right thing, you have to actually apply yourself. You don't have to apply yourself to do what's wrong. You just go do whatever you want to do. Examine this, brothers and sisters. If you sow to your spirit, you will receive spiritual gifts. You will receive the kingdom. If you sow to your flesh, you're going to reap destruction, corruption, brothers and sisters. Do not allow Satan to lead you based upon the lust of your flesh, brothers and sisters. Because why? Why are we magnifying this? Because we're we're in a time, brothers and sisters, where any sin you want to do is presented at your feet, brothers and sisters, especially if you live in Babylon or America. Everything you would like to do, you can do here in Babylon, brothers and sisters. And that's where the self-control come in. I had a brother tell me, I'm speaking to the brother. Um, he's not. He hasn't been baptized yet, but um, we're working on getting him there. And I was showing him some scriptures about uh, eating pork in the Tanakh. And he said, um, oh, I can stop eating pork. I said, hold on. Are you saying you can stop or you will stop, brother? He said, well, I can stop. But if somebody offered it to me, I'm going to eat it. I'm not going to turn down food. I'm like, wow, brother. So you won't sin as long as it's not presented to you. Where's your strength at, brother? Where's your strength? So, yeah, I can, I can stop smoking marijuana unless somebody pass it to me. So how strong really are you then? Brothers and sisters, spiritual development is why we're here. This lesson is about developing spiritually, 
brothers and sisters, in self-examination. We're going to go to Job chapter 4, verse 8. Follow us to the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Job 4 and 8. Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. Examine that, brothers and sisters. Those who sow wickedness shall root the fruit, excuse me, shall reap the fruit of their iniquity and the punishment of it, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. Right, right. Reap the same. See? Iniquity is sin, brothers and sisters. Wickedness is evil, brothers and sisters. So actions speak louder than words. The way one leads their lives, good or bad, has repercussions and consequences, brothers and sisters. So do the right thing and you'll be rewarded. Do the wrong thing and you'll be rewarded. There will be justice, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Isaiah 3 and 11. We're standing in the Tanakh, driven by the flesh. Isaiah 3 verse 11. Woe unto the wicked. It shall be ill with him. For the reward of his hand shall be given him. Read that one more time, brother. Woe unto the wicked. It shall be ill with him. For the reward of his hand shall be given him. See? So what a man deserves, he shall get, brothers and sisters. He shall be paid for that which he has labored. And his reward shall be in proportion to his conduct. Because, you know, people believe they can do what they want to do. And then... Have deliverance from the Most High. I spoke to a brother um, while back, and this is a young man that I have heard before ostracize the Bible. And then he'll go ask the Most High God for something. And I'm thinking that is the that's the definition of insanity. How can you do what you want to do, and then ask for? A, a reward from the Most High or deliverance or blessing from the Most High. You have to do what you know is right, even when you don't agree. That's why the law is put in place. It's not put in place for when it's easy. It's put in place for when it's hard, brothers and sisters. See? And you, and this is what should be motivation. This should be encouragement because read that one more time, brother. Woe unto the wicked. It shall be ill with him. For the reward of his hand shall be given him. Right. So that means on the flip side of that, if you do what's right, then you have to receive the blessing. Because the Bible does not lie. The Most High does not lie. All scripture is given by inspiration of the Most High God, brothers and sisters. So this should be your motivation. This should be your motivation, brothers and sisters. Because if you don't, sin lies at the door, like Genesis tells you. We're going to go to Lamentations 3 and 39. Please follow us, brothers and sisters, back into the Old Testament. <clears throat> Lamentations 3, verse 39. Wherefore, doth the living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 39, wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, it says, wherefore doeth the living man complain? 
What is this saying? This is telling you that he who has life still lent to him has small cause for complaint. And, and see, that's where we need to be at. All men, all women, stop complaining. Because even, even when you're getting punished. <laughs> read that one more time, brother. Wherefore doth a living man complain? A man for the punishment of his sins? Brothers and sisters, just like Brother Corey said, howsoever great his affliction may be, he still has life. Therefore, let not a living man complain, brothers and sisters. So if a man is wicked and is punished for his sins, no injustice has been done. <laughs> That's how the Most High is viewing it. That's how the Bible views it. So we must consider God's afflictions as a just punishment for our evil doings, brothers and sisters. If he allows us to be overcome by something, then it's something that we did, brothers and sisters. We have to examine that. We have to examine that. Wherefore do if a living man complain? Because why? We'll get in situations where the Most High doesn't deliver us. And then we'll start complaining as if we wasn't doing dirt all last year. <laughs> How can you do that? You lose a family member or they, they come up with a disease, uh, high blood pressure, but he told you to stop eating pork or he told you not to eat pork and you did it. And then you'll complain. So this is what he's telling you, brothers and sisters. You will be punished for the sins that you do and you shouldn't complain as long as you have life. You should understand that, okay, I'm being punished for what I've done wrong. We're going to go to Job 33 and 14. Job 33 and 14. For the Most High speaketh once, yeah, twice, yet man perceives it not. The Most High tries to speak with us, but we're not listening, brothers and sisters. And if one warning... And admonition is not sufficient. He will give another. So the most high is diligent. Brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Verse 14. For God speaketh once. Yeah, twice. Yet man perceiveth it not. Read verse 18, brother. Verse 18. He keepeth back his soul from the pit. And his life from perishing by the sword. Brothers and sisters. Our blindness and ignorance of the mind lead to this. Read that one more time, brother. He keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from the perishing by the sword. See? So if we don't take heed, brothers and sisters, our negligence and inattentiveness will lead to the sword, will lead to the pit, brothers and sisters. The Most High God is trying to give us signs. And a lot of times, we don't take those signs, brothers and sisters. I know a lot of brothers who asking for signs and ignoring all the signs the Most High is putting in front of you. What sign are you looking for? The Most High said he speak once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. Why? Because we got too much going on. We got too much going on that we're missing the sign or we're just flat out ignoring it. Because some people do that. Some people just ignore the sign thinking that if they, if they claim they didn't see it or receive it, then there's no judgment because... They shouldn't be accountable because they didn't hear. We must be attentive, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Hebrews 10 and 26. We're going to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Hebrews 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, 
there remaineth no sacrifice for sin. See, so if we go on sinning deliberately, brothers and sisters, there's that judgment. There's that judgment if we go on sinning deliberately. Continue, brother. Verse 27. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. <laughs> so examine this, brothers and sisters. 28 says, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. So in the Old Testament, before Christ, brothers and sisters, if two or three people saw you transgress a law, you were judged. But it's telling you how much sore a punishment, not that you ignore Moses' law, but that you trodden underfoot Christ's blood. <laughs> how much more punishment should you, should you get? Because people died for breaking Moses' law. Read verse 29, brother, please. Verse 29. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot the Son of the Most High, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. See? So if you deliberately sin, <laughs> if you sin deliberately, then that means... You view Christ's blood as an unholy thing and you reject it, even though the most High have given you grace that you undeserved grace. Might I add all of us, the grace that we have is undeserved. None of us deserve it. We should all be dead. So if you, after Christ have come and laid down his life, sin willfully, there's as much sore punishment than what was in the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. We're going to Revelations 20 and 12. Follow us, brothers and sisters, please. Revelation 20 and 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before the Most High. And the books were open. Read that part again. And the books were open. And another book was open. This is, brothers and sisters, this is the record of our works prior to death. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. See? So, these books contain the deeds of men whose fate is determined by the evidence recorded in this book. See? So, listen, brothers and sisters, your life will be, your judgment will be based on what you've been doing in life. And some people are going to act shocked. Some people are going to act shocked as if they don't, they didn't know that they was doing all this dirt against the Most High God. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse twelve. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before the Most High, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. According to their works. So by our works. Men shall be justified or condemned, brothers and sisters. There will be no, I'm going to plead my case. The evidence is there. The evidence is what's pleading your case. And it's either going to work in your defense or the opposite, brothers and sisters. So we must take life very serious, brothers and sisters, because it's a serious matter. 
especially when our Lord and Savior Christ was given up to be crucified for our sins. And then you trod underfoot his covenant, his, his blood, his sacrifice to do what you want to do. There's a judgment for that. We're going to go to Romans 8 and 13. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Romans 8 and 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. Read that one more time, brother. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. See, to live after the flesh is to die and perish eternally. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Examine that, brothers and sisters. So it's telling you, those who live according to our sinful nature have their minds set on fulfilling our fleshly desires, you will die. But if you live by the spirit and mortify the deeds of your body and, and examine that, because that's how you know somebody's living through the spirit is because they're putting their body in subjection, putting their flesh in subjection. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of the most high, they are the sons of the most high. Right. So brothers and sisters, no man who has not divine assistance can either find the way to heaven or walk in it when it's found. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit thus leads those in whom she dwells to the mortification of sin. So the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is within you, it's leading you to mortify the deeds of your body. <laughs> so many Christians I've heard over the years, you know, our, we have the we have the, the Holy Spirit. We speak in tongues. The whole, I'm like, the Holy Spirit didn't tell you to stop eating pork. <laughs> Holy Spirit didn't tell you to stop celebrating Christmas or stop going to church on Sunday. So you're not being led by the Spirit. You're being led by Beelzebub. You're being led by the devil because read 13 one more time, please, brother. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit of, if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of the most high, they are the sons of the most high. See, so brothers and sisters, in order to be regarded as the sons and daughters of the most high God, you must be led by the spirit of the most high God, brothers and sisters. And the only way to do that is to mortify your deeds. If you're driven by the flesh, your flesh is going to drive you straight into the pits of hell, brothers and sisters. This is a call for self-examination. Each and every one of us must examine ourselves before that day comes, brothers and sisters. Because the evidence will not be in your words, but in your deeds. We're going to go to Galatians 6 and 4. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Galatians 6, verse 4. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. See? Let every man prove his own work. So prove ourselves as trustworthy, brothers and sisters. Examine, try, and prove our conduct in life by the rule of God's word, brothers and sisters. Test ourselves against ourselves through, the, uh, through an honest analysis. Because once you've tested yourself, then you can rejoice because you know you've scourged yourself. You've mortified the deeds of your flesh. Can you read that one more time, brother? 
Uh, once I want to say one thing too on this scripture. I'll read it first. Verse four. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. And we as people, um, we expect so much from other people. We expect people to guarantee us and follow through with follow through with their promises and word to us. But then when we tell ourselves to do something and we don't do it, which is a lot of the time people don't, I'm going to do this and then they just don't do it. And it's okay because they told it to themselves and nobody else heard it. <laughs> but when somebody else don't follow through what they said they would do, we get mad automatically. When actually this scripture is letting you know you should, you should prove your own work to yourself first. That's the most important. You shouldn't depend on everything somebody else says to you, but your word to yourself matters a lot, right? So that's all I wanted to say on this scripture. And that's crystal clear, brothers and sisters. What Brother Corey is saying is, is crystal clear because that's, you know, that's one of the most important is that proving to yourself what you're saying. Hold yourself accountable because a lot of people don't hold themselves accountable. You hold everybody else accountable but yourself. And see... When you tell yourself, okay, well, listen, I'm going to stop doing this. The most high is hearing you. And don't think because it was just to you that you can go back. So you must prove yourself, brothers and sisters, as trustworthy. Can you trust yourself? Right. So a lot of people don't know. They, a lot of people don't know. They can't trust themselves. They'll never admit to that. But the most high knows that you're not trustworthy. So you must examine, prove your conduct in life to yourself, brothers and sisters. Scourge yourself, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you 2 Peter 1 and 10. Second Peter 1 verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things... You shall never fall. So prove yourselves or ourselves to guarantee, to secure, to ensure our election. Can you read that one more time, brother? Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. Your election, your election. Remember that, brothers and sisters. What are we being elected to do? Not only for the kingdom, but there's a there's a higher calling for the elect. Who are the children of Israel? Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Brothers and sisters, in order to be elected, you must first prove yourself, as the prior scripture said. You must prove yourself worthy to make your election sure. We're going to show you. 1 Corinthians 6 and 2. What election? What are we being elected to do? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 2. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? Read that one more time, brother. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, in order to validate our election, we must show evidence of our qualifications. How do we obtain those credentials? By judging ourselves. It says the smallest matter. What is the, the smallest matter? Is judging yourself. <laughs> Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 2. 
do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? How can the Most High, that would be negligent, for the Most High to allow somebody who can't judge themselves to judge others, brothers and sisters. So there's a high calling where it says saints, that's speaking of the elect, the children of Israel. The children of Israel shall judge the world, brothers and sisters. But you're unworthy to judge if you cannot prove yourself, brothers and sisters. And that's why we're going through this, especially for the children of Israel, because there's a higher calling for us to judge the world. But it would be negligent for the Most High to elect judges who have no righteous judgment towards themselves. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 11 and 31 to magnify that. First Corinthians 11 and 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. See, this is how you obtain those credentials. Our ability to govern ourselves is our endorsement. <laughs> so self-examination is necessary, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Most High, that we should not be condemned with the world. See? So the Most High allows us the opportunity to exercise self-discipline and avoid his judgment, brothers and sisters. So you must take, you must be diligent and take this time and use it properly, brothers and sisters. If having acted improperly, we must condemn our own conduct or we'll be punished for the sin we've committed, brothers and sisters. You must be your own worst critic, brothers and sisters. You must hold yourself to a higher standard. That's what, that's what men of God are supposed to do, especially the men. You can't, base, you can't base your thoughts on what others will receive, brothers and sisters. It's a terrible thing to live your life based on somebody else's expectations. You must have the higher standard for yourself, especially as a holy nation, brothers and sisters. So we must judge ourselves. Can you read that from the top, brother? Verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the most high, that we should not be condemned with the world. Right. So we wanted to we wanted to put that out there first. Because the scriptures, the first scriptures we read said to examine ourselves, to obtain mercy on judgment day, brothers and sisters. This is the way. So looking within yourself, turning the scriptures inwardly, saying, okay, this, I'm, I'm not doing that well with this. This, I have to put down. Or this, I notice, you know, is a weakness of mine. Not to ignore it, brothers and sisters, because guess what? If you ignore that weakness, Satan will exploit that weakness. So you must go into training. It's just you working on yourself internally, brothers and sisters. Be honest with the condition of your heart. Because Paul already told us in Romans 7, <laughs> it's wicked. Every person that come from Adam have a wicked heart. You must defeat that heart by being in discipline under the most high structure, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 32 and 17. We must judge ourselves, brothers and sisters. Excuse me, uh, 32 and 17. 
Ecclesiasticus 32 and 17. A sinful man will not be reproved, but findeth an excuse according to his will. Examine that, brothers and sisters. Can you, uh, self-correction is our probationary period, brothers and sisters. So we cannot rationalize or justify sin if we're going to rule. People are justify things to themselves. That That's really a problem. You can't even be honest with yourself saying, yeah, I, I just messed up. You'll justify it to yourself. Re- read that one more time, brother. A sinful man will not be reproved, but findeth an excuse according to his will. See? So the Bible expects us to take personal responsibility in all areas of life, brothers and sisters. And this is how you know the word is perfect. This goes for anybody in the truth or out of the truth. Every time you tell them something that they're doing is wrong, and it is wrong, they, they might find an excuse to say, well, you know, I can do it because of this. When... That's not the case. That's definitely not the case, right? So this this word is so it's it's so before its time, hmm. right? A sinful it says a sinful man will not be reproved, meaning if you try to correct them, they're not having it, but they'll find an excuse according to their will. Means they will just justify it just because of something they want to do or they desire to do in the world that just won't let them let let it go. Right. Right. So, Exactly, brothers and sisters. And that's the one thing that I, I notice with people is when we're, we're going to a scripture, I'm not in the job, the, the position of telling people exactly what you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong. But you can understand where a man or woman is spiritually when there's justification, when there should never be justification. There should be accountability. Well, you know what? That was wrong. And I know I shouldn't have did that. Not that, well, I thought it was okay because of this. No, see, you're showing that there's no, there's no spiritual development. You're not growing. You're not spiritually maturing because there's an excuse for everything. The only excuse there should be is I messed up. I made a mistake. Accountability. That's what children do, brothers and sisters. That's what children do. They start excusing it or giving an excuse or a justification instead of just being accountable. You can't rule like that, brothers and sisters. You cannot be a ruler of the earth. You cannot govern the earth. If you find an excuse, it's based on your own will. So that means if it was somebody else who did it, <laughs> you would hold them to it. But because it's you, so you'll hold other people to a higher standard, then you'll hold yourself. And that's a problem. That's a problem right there, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus 21 and 6. We're going to stick in the same book, brothers and sisters. We're going to read verse 6 and 7. Excuse me, Ecclesiasticus 21 and 6. Ecclesiasticus 21 and 6. He that hateth to be reproved is, is in the way of sinners, but he that feareth the Most High will repent from his heart. Examine that, brothers and sisters. In order to repent from your heart, you have to be truthful with the condition of your heart. A lot of our, our people, not just our people, but all people, they lie to themselves. They deceive themselves. So a person who hates reproof is a is a fool, according to the Bible. Proverbs tell you that, brothers and sisters. You must acknowledge our moral strengths and our weaknesses. Read that one more time, brother. He that hated to be reproved is in the way of sinners. But he that feareth the Most High will repent from his heart. Brothers and sisters, when we acknowledge where our weaknesses are, we're most likely to overcome them, brothers and sisters, and put ourselves in the best position to be successful. 
That's the only way. We must acknowledge it. Because why? The scriptures have already showed you that all men are dealing with the same things. Excuse me, not just men. Our sisters are dealing with the same things. The Bible tells you that no temptation is uncommon to man. So each and every man and woman have the same temp they're being presented with the same temptations. Are you going to drive out that lust or are you going to be driven by that lust, brothers and sisters? We're going to go to wisdom of Solomon one in one. We're going to the apographer, brothers and sisters. Wisdom of Solomon one and one. Love righteousness. Ye that be judges of the earth, think of the Most High with a good heart, and in simplicity of heart seek him. Read that one more time, brother, from the top. Love righteousness, ye that be judges of the earth, think of the Most High with a good heart, and in simplicity of heart seek him. Examine this, brothers and sisters. Learning self-discipline in the little things of life prepares the way for huge success, brothers and sisters. So we always say that it's the little things that matter to the Most High God. Because it's telling you, those who are going to judge the earth must love righteousness. So you must live disciplined lives and endure all kinds of self-denial in order to be inaugurated as emperors of the earth, brothers and sisters. It's the only way. You cannot be driven by your flesh. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 1. Love righteousness, ye that be judges of the earth. Think of the Most High with a good heart, and in simplicity of heart, seek Him. Examine that, brothers and sisters. With simplicity of heart, seek Him. We must think of the Most High with a good heart. So it's the inside, brothers and sisters, that matters. Not what you look like. Not what you appear to be doing before others. The Most High is judging the heart. The Bible tells you that. The Most High tries the reins of the heart. So we cannot be driven by our flesh, brothers and sisters. You cannot be driven by the flesh. Because if you do, you will, you will be led to destruction. You'll be led to the slaughter. The Bible says like sheep led to the slaughter. If, if you let your heart drive, there's an accident right ahead. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Second Corinthians 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Most High. Having therefore these promises. What are the promises? The promises of Abraham, number one. Number two, the promises to be judged, judges, brothers and sisters. In order to obtain these promises, read that again, brother. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Most High. See, so we must, the scripture said what? All scripture is given by the inspiration of the Most High in order for us to perfect ourselves. This scripture is telling you in order to obtain, to acquire these promises, we must cleanse ourselves from all of the filthiness of our flesh. And spirit, brothers and sisters. So this was a call to self-examination, brothers and sisters. Are you driven by the flesh? 
or are you driven by the spirit, brothers and sisters? So we wanted to go into this lesson to help our people, not just our people, but all people to understand the battle of the flesh and how to overcome it. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala, Kwam Yasharala, sin no more, sin no more.